Welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. This is Sid Valley Radio. This week on the Old Time Radio Hour, we'll be listening to a half-hour mystery drama, followed by 30 minutes of comedy. So, just sit back and relax. As we revisit the truly golden age of radio. Out of the past, phantoms of a world gone by speak again the immortal tale, the duel without honor. to go now, Major Alexis. He must rest. Yes, Father. This way. Has he told you nothing then about himself? Here at the monastery, we never ask questions. Oh, how much he's changed. As radically as my opinion of him. Once I disliked him intensely, Father. Oh, not Captain Zodomirsky. Oh, yes. Sit down, Major. Or perhaps you'd rather not tell me. Oh, no. No, I'd like to tell you. It was when Zadomirsky came to Valines from St. Petersburg. Dashing, self-confident, a skilled duelist with pistol and saber. And he had a way with women. <laughs> yes. Yes, that brought about much of his disfavor with his fellow officers. Of course, you're probably unfamiliar with military matters, Father, but we had an unwritten law in our garrison. Officers, regardless of rank, with seniority of service on the post, had an unchallenged field with the women of their choice. Um, a sort of a, a method for eliminating squabbles among the men. Well... There was a Lieutenant Stam on the post who had coveted the vacancy which the captain had filled. He had known the captain at St. Petersburg. It happened that Stam had courted the most beautiful girl in the region, Mariana Ravensky, for months before Zodomirsky's arrival. And so, naturally, when the captain began usurping the lieutenant's place with Mademoiselle Ravensky, there was bound to be trouble. And things couldn't possibly go on that way for long without Stam taking action, which he finally did. He went direct to Mariana. Oh. Oh, Lieutenant Stan. Good evening, Mariana. Good evening. I presume, Lieutenant, you have a pressing thought on your mind coming here so abruptly. I have. Well? Mariana, I had to talk to you. Yes? Mariana, you know how much I love you. I'd do anything in the world to make you happy. You're hurting my hand, Lieutenant. Tell me that you love me, too. Say you'll marry me. Please. My hand. But I don't love you, Lieutenant Stan. You could learn to love me. Don't you have any feelings for me whatsoever? As a friend, yes. As... It's someone else, then. It is. It's Captain Zadomirsky. What does it matter? 
It is not you. Zodomirsky. You've been seeing him again. I don't see where all this is getting us. You know it's against garrison rules for a newcomer to court the lady friend of another officer. Yet you've been seeing him frequently since he arrived in St. Petersburg. Am I to be tied by ridiculous military rules too? It is an unwritten law of the garrison. If Captain Sodomirsky has the courage to break so ridiculous a regulation, am I to forbid him to see me? Is that much more to his credit? He is a sensible man. Then you have been seeing him. As I suspected. How much more of this inquisition must I stand? Of course I've been seeing him. I find him a very interesting man. And a rich officer. Yes, but that matters little. He is not so ill-mannered as to pry into my private affairs. You and your spy. I want no more of it, you hear? Now, Mariana, calm yourself. Your heart, you know. Well, not you care about my heart. Coming here, antagonizing me. Telling me of your silly garrison rules. Am I to adjust my life to stupid regulations you soldiers consider honorable? You and your honor. Please, Mariana, don't excite me. I will if I want to. I suppose you consider it honorable to pry into a woman's secret heart. Just for your own selfish reasons. It was honorable of you to cross-examine me like this. It was... What is it? Nothing. I... You're so white. I told you your heart wouldn't stand it. Here, sit down. Thank you. Is there anything I can bring you? No, no. Water, perhaps? No, no. I... I know myself. It will pass in a moment. See? I feel better already. You must be more careful. Please, Lieutenant Stan. Go now. But, Mariana... All right, Mariana. But let me tell you something. If I can't have you, no other man can have you either. Leave this house. Very well, Mariana. Good night. Oh, Captain Zanamirsky. Lieutenant Stem. Breaking regulations again. There is no law which forbids me seeing Mademoiselle Ravensky. Quite right. Only a code among the officers. Are you insinuating Only that I am... Only a... reminding you, Captain. Gentlemen, I will tolerate no quarreling in my house. Lieutenant Sam, please go as I asked you to. Very well, Mariana. As you wish. Good night, then. Good night, Captain Zodomirsky. Come in, Captain Zodomirsky. I've been expecting you. Your hand, mademoiselle. Your pardon, I wanted no scene. Don't mention it anymore. Dinner is almost ready. But, Mariana, you look so pale. Has anything happened? No, no, nothing. But it has. That's Stan. He did something to you. No, I assure you, George. If he so much as lays a hand on you, I'll cut him to pieces. Please don't say that. I can't bear to think of you fighting. But, Mariana, fighting is part of my life. It is only that I don't wish to see you hurt. I appreciate your concern, my sweet. Promise me. You won't fight him. That I can't do. But I can promise you my love. All of my love, Mariana. Oh, my darling. Oh, you grow more beautiful every day. I confess it was then I became as incensed with Captain Zodomirsky's flagrant disregard of garrison customs as the other officers were. But Zodomirsky went on seeing Mariana. It was inevitable that the antagonism between him and Lieutenant Stam would, would break into open hostilities. 
I remember how bitter Stam was that night it happened. We were in the officers' quarters, passing time before dinner, playing at cards. Hardly think it's as bad as that, Lieutenant Stam. Didn't he come here to this very room, Major Alexis, on his first day in full dress? An unheard of display. Yes, that's very true. And that house he bought cost a pretty penny with its rifle range and its library indeed. Even one's enemy is entitled to his own taste, you know. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to discover money was responsible for his appointment. Captain here on the post. Now, careful, Stan. Bear your little enmities. We know of your affairs of the heart and understand them. But no discrediting the service, please. I tell you, the man's a showman, nothing more. And I knew him at St. Petersburg. A duelist? Well, he's yet to prove himself in our eyes. I shall personally see to it that he gets that opportunity. I shall... Good evening, gentlemen. Oh, good evening. I came for dinner, if I'm interrupting a game, I... Oh, no, no. Nonsense, Captain Zodomirsky. Come, sit down. But I don't mean to interrupt. You came at an opportune moment, Captain. We were just talking about you. Oh? About your skill as a duelist. Of course, I had to tell of your exploits at St. Petersburg. I sincerely hope I can live up to any reputation you have helped build up. You misunderstand, Captain. While these gentlemen extol the virtues of dueling, I'm not quite in agreement with them. Dueling is an accepted practice here, is it not? When one's honored at stake, yes. Professional dueling, no. Then I don't think I see what a... Let me demonstrate. A pack of cards, please. There you are. Thank you. There. Draw one, Captain. But what do you... Uh, draw one. Go ahead. I'll match it. That's it. What have you? King of spades. Here's mine. An ace of hearts. Too bad for you if we've been betting. <laughs> Forgive me. A little trick of palming I learned long ago. Now, do you see what I mean? No, not exactly, but... You have a shooting range, Captain, haven't you? I have. You practice with a pistol. Daily. And with a saber and foil, whenever I can find a worthy opponent. That's exactly the point. You practice regularly. Why? Well, why does a gambler practice card tricks? To become proficient. To be able to outwit amateurs. And I practice to become a skillful duelist, is that it? Something like that. Gentlemen, am I to stand here and be insulted? With one as skillful as you, Captain Zodomirsky, dueling becomes not a redress for an insult to your honor. It becomes plain and simple assassination. Gentlemen, this man is mad. You may think so if you wish. He knows I will not challenge him. I am a match for him in any of the weapons of individual combat. He knows that from St. Petersburg. He knows it would really be murder to force him to fight me. Major Alexis, I appeal to you. What can I do, Captain? I am a newcomer here. I bear no malice toward anyone. Yet he finds it proper to insult me, knowing I cannot challenge him, an amateur, as it were, and live with my own conscience. Well, what have you to say to that, Lieutenant Stram? I have not refused to accept any challenge he might give. But the odds are all against you. If we fight Captain Zanimirsky's way, yes. Well, how else do you propose to fight? Speak up, Stram, and stop smiling so smugly. I maintain the captain is courageous only when he fights on his own terms, with his own weapons, in ways familiar to himself. Name your weapons. Name your methods. Patience. That is what I'm about to do. Then we shall see whether you're quite so eager to fight. No conditions you impose can stop me from bringing you to account for your insult. Then I propose that we use pistols. To be fired with the barrels not more than six inches from each other's hearts. What? 
One of the pistols to be loaded, the other to contain only a cap. Oh, this, this is absurd. Those are my conditions. Major, I appeal to you. Is this dueling? It is madness, I think. This poor fellow is... Well, I know what has twisted his mind against me. I'm afraid, Captain Zadomirsky, you've brought this upon yourself. You know our customs here and your attitude about them. I'm sure the men will all agree with me. There, you see. Very well, I accept. I am afraid of no man living. Very well. I shall be your aid, Lieutenant Stan. Have I a friend to second for me? Count on me, Captain. As regimental doctor, I must be there anyhow. Thank you, Dr. Belial. What is the place? The tomb of the two brothers. Very well. The time, I presume, is done? It is. I shall be there. Promptly at dawn. Aren't you going to ask me in, George? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Come in. You're drenched. Here, let me take your coat. There. Come inside. There's a fire in the library. I was writing some letters. Oh, George. Well, what is it, Mariana? Why are you here? You'll catch your death of cold out in this weather. Oh, midnight. Now, sit over here. There. Now, tell me what's wrong. Please, George, stop acting. I know. Oh? No, what? About you and Stam, about tomorrow. Why didn't you tell me, George, why? Oh, I hope to spare you. Spare me? When I may not see you again, ever? Don't you suppose I want every minute with you I can have? Oh, I only thought... Oh, George. George, I love you so much. I can't bear the thought of anything happening to you. Oh, please, Mariana, don't upset yourself. George, please. Please don't go through with this. We can go away from here, anywhere. But, darling, my honor is it? Honor? What is honorable about this so-called duel? There's nothing more than wanton destruction of human life. Please, George. Must I beg you to come away with me? Mariana, I can't. But your life belongs to me now, too. Or don't you think that much of me? In the name of heaven, Mariana, stop torturing me. I love you with all my heart, but... Can't you see me, a skillful duelist, to refuse Stem's conditions? That would be an admission that I fight only when the odds are stacked on my side. And that would be cowardly. I, I could not live with myself. It would eat at my conscience until... George! George, I command you not to go through with it. Ariana, I love you even more for what you're trying to do, but I can't do what you ask. <laughs> what... Even you would be ashamed of me. Could you possibly love a dishonorable man? I suppose you're right, George. 
I wouldn't love you the less. But you would come to hate me. George. George, whatever happens, remember, I shall always love you. Always. I will think of you every minute, Goodbye, my love. I'll be waiting for you at my window tomorrow. Waiting and watching for you to write back to me. Until tomorrow, then, darling. Until tomorrow. Oh. Oh. Are you all right, Captain Zodomirsky? Yes. I see Stam and the others are already here. Good morning, Dr. Belayev. Good morning, Major Alexis. Captain Zodomirsky. Major. If you are ready, then, gentlemen, your sabers. Plant them here. About a pace apart. That's it. Who gives the word to fire, gentlemen? Major Alexis, do me the honor. Surely, Captain. Stand behind your sabers, gentlemen. Lieutenant Stam has furnished the pistols. If Captain Zodomirsky is ready, we shall load them. Oh, that is unnecessary. One has a live ball, the other is not loaded. Lieutenant Stam, do you know which is which? It doesn't matter. Zodomirsky can choose first. This one, then, gentlemen. Take the other, Stam. Ready, gentlemen? We are waiting, Major. You are very brave, Zodomirsky. One. I saw Mariana watching for you at her window. Two. But she will not see you right back, Captain. Three. You drew a blank, Captain Zodomirsky. Fire in God's name, fire. That is for me to decide whether I fire or not. Quickly stop this silly talk. Fire. I have no desire to kill you, but I've proven my point. You are a skilled duelist. But under these conditions, your skill has been useless. Fate decided that you should die and not I. You have insulted me. I could have cut you to ribbons or put a bullet through your heart at 20 paces. But I accepted your terms. Fire! I have nothing more to say to you. Major Alexis, judge this. All I want of him is a promise not to be so quick to fight duels because of some silly whim. Tell him acceptance of such conditions cannot mar his honor. Captain Zodomirsky has conducted himself bravely. He can accept the proposed conditions. Can he not, gentlemen? Yes, indeed he can. He consents, then. It is you who speaks, Major, not Captain Zodomirsky. Captain, it is folly not to accept these terms. There can be no stain to your honor. Accept. Very well. I accept. Sheathe your sabers, then, gentlemen. My compliments, Captain Zodomirsky. You have shown yourself a brave man in the face of death. The pistols... Were not loaded. What? Either of them. A fresh insult. This greater than before. Now we must fight. And the pistols will be loaded if I have to load them myself. Insult me if you want. I've spared your life. I'll not take it now. My horse. Hold on, Sam. If you don't fight Zodomirsky, you'll fight me. This is outrageous. To think that I, I was your second. You've acted the scoundrel, now you shall pay. I'll have your blood. And if the nature doesn't kill you, I surely shall. Get off your horse. No, doctor, let me at him. Yes, we're going to get him right. I can't fight you all. Choose one among you and I'll fight him. Out of my way now. I have other business to attend to at the moment. Yes, ma'am. Come back. Rogue. He's a disgrace to the uniform. Major, I propose we see that he resigns. This is a serious offense. 
He made Zodomirsky go through all the sensations of a man condemned to death while he himself was at ease. I, uh... I can complete the necessary ill-health certificates for Stam's release. I agree, Doctor. Have we any dissenters? None at all, Major. Captain Zodomirsky, our humblest apologies. It is all right, Major. He's up to something. I suggest we retire to quarters for some breakfast. Look, riding toward Mademoiselle Ravensky's. Doctor, come with me quickly before it is too late. Hurry, Doctor, hurry. She's not at the window. Something has happened. Follow me. Mariana! Mariana! Mariana, speak to me. Stand by, Captain. Let me see her. Is, is she? Yes. Her heart. Some great shock. It was a chronic ailment, I understand. Oh. No. Mariana, speak to me. Captain. Help me lift her to the bed. Can't be. It's not true. Come away now, Captain. Come. He did it. Stam. I see it all now. The duel. The whole thing planned. So diabolically. He never meant to fight. This was his intention all the time. To ride past her window. To make her think I was dead. He knew her heart could never stand that shock. He knew. Come away, Captain. Come away. He knew. He shall pay for this. I'll make him pay for this if it's the last thing I ever do. Come back, Captain. Where are you going? I'll make him pay. I'll make him pay. Zodomirsky. Ryan. Just put up that saber. All right, or I'll fit you in the saddle. Dismount! Now, draw! Wait, wait. I... I tricked you only to test your courage. You killed Mariana. No, I did not. You did. It was your whole scheme, wasn't it? Answer me! Answer me! Yes. Yes. I told her no other man would have her. And I meant it. I meant every word of it. And now, if it's a fight you want, you'll get it. Come ahead. Uh, we'll see now, Lord, just how skillful you are. <laughs> Come, Sam. You can do better than that. Are you tired already? <laughs> your blood, Sam. <laughs> see? It trickles down your arm. Stop. Stop. <laughs> My blade. I dissolved. Pick it up. Mercy! For the love of heaven, mercy! Mercy? I'll give you mercy. No! No! The same kind you gave Mariana. No, no! No, stop! Now, who is courageous? No! Stand up like a soldier. No, no! It's done. Gone forever. 
Mariana. I can't believe it. I can't. But it was true. Mariana was dead. That's all the story I know, Father. Uh, how did he come here to you? One day, not long ago, we found him unconscious on the road outside the monastery. We nursed him, and when he opened his eyes and looked at us, we were struck with the terrible sadness in them. He secured himself, meditating, trying to find some solace in his sorrow. Day by day, he wasted away till he was the man you've seen in there. Oh, how changed he is. Father, will it be long? Only a little while. Has he any kin we can notify? No. No, he's alone. Oh, wait. Friar Chekhov, is he... the nod of the head. And that is the final word. I see. It's over for him. Now at last, somewhere, they're together again. I've lost a great friend, Father. We've lost a great man. of the past, we have brought you the story, The Duel Without Honor. Bellkeeper, hold the bell.
This is the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. River McGee and Folly, written by Don Quinn. With songs by the King's Men and music by Billy Mills. The show opens with Free For All. Blizzard in 76 years has hit Wistful Vista. Snow has drifted up to the second floor windows in some places. And this is one of the places, the home of Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, it certainly is nice to stay home by a warm fire tonight, isn't it, dearie? I'll say. Ain't a fit night out for man or Hitler. <laughs> It must be terribly cold out. Cold? Why, when I come home tonight, that snowman in front of Toops's was blowing on his fingers. <laughs> say, what's the exact temperature? Stick your head out the door and see what the thermometer on the porch says. Oh, no. I wouldn't protrude my puss out those portals tonight for all the retreads in Detroit. <laughs> no, sir. Well, then turn on the radio. It's just time for the weather report. Oh, say, it is at that. I wonder just how cold it is. Terribly. Thanks. <laughs> Well, at least we're comfortable and warm here. You want to play a game of rummy, dearie? No, I got a lot of stuff to do. Never have a better chance to do them, too, either. Just what have you got to do? Oh, I got to paste my defense stamps in my book, sort out my trout flies, and write a letter to Aunt Sarah thanking her for my Christmas presents. She didn't send you any Christmas presents. Well, I'm in a sarcastic mood. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're going to be busy, McGee. Maybe I can finish knitting this, uh, this, uh... This what? I wish I knew. <laughs> I'm not much of a knitter yet. <laughs> well, you're a swell needlepointer. I know, but the Army has some silly objections to needlepoint sweaters. <laughs> now, maybe if I'd... Uh... My gosh, there's somebody at the door. You know, that's what I love about you, McGee. You grasp things so quickly. <laughs> well, let them in. They'll freeze to death out there. Okay, but if it's a good humor man, he ain't using good judgment. <laughs> good evening. I'm Mr. George Melvin. <laughs> Wind goes through you like a collector from the Internal Revenue. <laughs> What'd you say your name was, bud? Uh, Spelvin, George Spelvin. You're Mr. McGee? That I am, that I am indeed. And this is my wife, Molly. Molly, Mr. Spelvin. Oh, how do you do, I'm sure. Delighted, madam. Why, it's nice and cozy in here. Don't tell me you're knitting on a tiny garment. Congratulations. When is the happy event? Huh? It isn't a tiny garment. It's a sweater for a soldier. Yeah. And if I don't stop dropping stitches, it won't be a happy event either. <laughs> Have a care, Mr. Spellbound. Uh, Spellman, and thank you. But first, I'd better drop this overcoat and these wet overshoes in the hall. McGee. Hmm? Who is he? I don't know. But I wouldn't turn a dog away on a night like this. And he looks kind of like an old hound I used to have when I... 
Well, well, well. Ha- have a chair, Spelvin, old man. Thank you, thank you. A nice place you have here, Mrs. McGee. Thank you. We like it. We have to. We own it. <laughs> well, I imagine you'll be seeing a great deal of it for the next few days. You won't be able to get downtown to a restaurant till this storm is over. Well, so what? Home is where the heartburn is, I always says. <laughs> Did you want to see me about something, Spelvin? What? Oh, oh, yes. Uh, Mr. McGee, I have a special message to you from the governor. Heavenly days from the governor. Maybe you've got an appointment, dearie. Well, it's about time. I've volunteered for everything from air raid warden to mixing macaroons for Marines. <laughs> what did the governor say, Spelvin? Well, first, Mr. McGee, may I ask if you have a car? Every time I see it, I ask myself the same thing. <laughs> sure, I got a car, bud. Tip-top condition, too. You're not kidding, McGee. That top tips under any condition. <laughs> Well, it really doesn't matter as long as it runs. Oh, it runs. That car will do 55 in second gear, Spelvin. And 30 in high. <laughs> oh, now, Molly, you're giving George here entirely wrong impression. <laughs> you see, George, you don't mind if I call you George, do you? Oh, not at all. Glad to have you. Fine. You see, Spelvin, before we were married, my wife used to go with a guy that owned a Stutz Bearcat, and she never got over Never mind me, McGee. Huh? What did the governor say? Yeah, what did he say, Spelvin? Well, the fact is, McGee, it's of the utmost importance that you... Oh, dear, now who? You answered, McGee. I'm right in the middle of a mistake in my knitting. Okay. Excuse me a minute, George. Oh, certainly. I suppose somebody wants me to tie some hot coffee around my neck and go rescue their St. Bernard. The old timer, Molly. Okay, Johnny. Uh, just for a minute. Hello there, Donna. What you doing? <laughs> Knitting for Britain or crocheting for the Malayan? <laughs> we can't stand that applause, can we? Oh, good evening, Mr. Old Timer. May I introduce you to Mr. Spelvin? Mr. Spelvin, this is uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, hey, what is your name anyway, Mr. Old Timer? Hey, I don't believe I ever heard it either. Just call me Old Timer, kids. Names don't matter. It's character that counts. Drums the fellers true blue, honest, straightforward, backward. Oh, don't be so coy. <laughs> What's your name? Come on, old timer. After all, it couldn't be worse than Fibber. Uh, maybe not, Johnny, but I'm more sensitive than you are. <laughs> won't you tell us? Nope. Just tell me. Nope. Whispers my ear. I won't tell anybody. Uh, promise? I promise. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, heavenly days, it couldn't be. It is, though. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, Mr. Spelvin, uh, this is the old-timer. How do you do, sir? Well, hello, son. Sorry to butt in like this, kids. Just wanted to know if I could borrow a hot poker. A hot poker? No, I'm sorry, old-timer. Our poker's busted. What on earth did you want that for? Oh, me and my girlfriend. Your girlfriend? No, my girlfriend. Francis. Oh. We were playing in the snow along the street here, diving into snow drifts. And all of a sudden, I missed Fran. Must have knocked yourself out in a fire hydrant or something. <laughs> anyway, she's under a drift someplace along here, and I was going to jab around with a hot poker. <laughs> Guess I can use a sharp stick. See you later, kids. Good night, Mr. Tailspin. (laughs) 
Can't you have another cup of coffee before you and McGee start talking business, Mr. Spelvin? Uh, thanks. I believe I will. Delicious coffee, Mrs. McGee. I'm glad you like it. I make it from a recipe I got from McGee's half-sister, Beth. What do you mean, half-sister? She's my sister. Not since she worked for that magician and his daughter in two. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that. Just a family <laughs> joke, Spell. We always kid Bessie about wanting to go on the stage. Oh, is that so? Yeah. You know, I had a younger brother always wanted to go on the stage. Finally made it, too. Good for him. Yes, he was out in Desert Springs, Arizona once, and he wanted to go to Dry Gulch, New Mexico, but the trains weren't running, so <laughs> he went on the stage. <laughs> well, let's get down to business, Selvin. As long as you represent the governor, suppose you tell me just exactly what he wants me to... Well, for goodness sake, more orphans of the storm. See you, Tis McGee. Okay, excuse me a minute, Spelvin, while I see what no good this ill wind is blowing us. Oh, of course. Hey, Molly, Uppy's here. Come on in, Uppy. Oh, how do you do, Abigail? May I present Mr. Spelvin, Mr. Spelvin, Mrs. Uppington? Uh, how do you do? Not the Mrs. Uppington, through whose window someone threw a rock. <laughs> The very same, Spelvin, the very same. <laughs> will you have a cup of coffee, Abigail? You look awfully cold. Oh, thank you, I will, my dear, and I am cold. In fact, I'm quite numb. That's what I was telling Molly just this morning, Uppy. I says that Uppington frail is just about the... McGee! <laughs> he said numb. Huh? Oh, I... Uh, hey, what are you doing out on a night like this, Uppy? This kind of weather's only good for one thing. To keep the Germans rushing back from the Russian front. <laughs> Get it, folks? I says to keep... Ain't funny, McGee. <laughs> uh, I thought it was rather amusing, Mrs. McGee. Oh, thanks, Spell. Have a cigar? Oh, thanks. I have one. You got two? Thanks. <laughs> uh, answering your question, Mrs. McGee, I had little Fifi out for a walk. She adores the snow, you know. Is Fifi your daughter, Mrs. Uppington? Fifi is a Pekingese, Mr. Spelvin. How interesting. I'd love to meet her. Chinese girls are so intelligent, I say. <laughs> I'd love to discuss the situation. She in... is a dog, Spelvin, and she ain't interested in the foreign situation. As I was saying, it was so blustery and so cold outside, I was frightfully afraid of being lost in the storm. And yours was the only light I could see for simply blocks, my dear. So I struggled through the drifts and finally succeeded in forcing my way through the snow to your front door. But where's Fifi? Oh, I took her home first. <laughs> Well, sit down and take a load off your eye, Millers, Uppy. <laughs> Mr. Spelvin here was just about to give me a message from the governor. As a matter of fact, I... What we need is a doorman. Does anybody here know any unemployed Eskimos? <laughs> well, go see who it is, McGee. Okay, but... All right, all right, all right. Gee, thanks, Fibber. My hands were so cold I couldn't find the doorbell. I had to hammer with my elbows. Haven't you got sense enough to stay home on a night like this, Harlow? Well, my conscience was bothering me, Fibber. I just ran across a book I borrowed from you a long time ago. Here. Oh, thanks. What is it? Oh, If Winter Comes. <laughs> you sure this is mine? Yep. I borrowed it in 1925. Ah. Hey, is that coffee I smell? It is, and you do. <laughs> Come on in, Harlan, defrost your eyebrows. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Wilcox? Hello, Mrs. Uppington. Hello, this is Mr. George Spelvin. 
Belby, old man. This is Harlow Wilcox. Oh, speaking of poodles, Mr. Wilcox, I hated to take Mrs. Fifi out tonight. Well, there's nothing like a dog. There's nothing like Uppy's dog. I'll go that far with you. <laughs> there ain't even another dog like her dog. Yeah, I had a dog once. Ah, uh, man's best friend, I always say. Uh, as I was saying, I had a dog once. I did, too. A part Springer Spaniel on his mother's side and the smartest dog I ever knew on his father's side. <laughs> smarter than a human being. Oh, now, McGee. Well, he was. Every Sunday morning, he'd go out on the porch and look both ways up and down the street. Then he'd kind of shake his little head and come back in the house. Every Sunday morning for 11 years, he did that. Well, what was he looking for? We never knew. <laughs> he knew, but we didn't. <laughs> so he was smarter than us. I'll have another cup of coffee, too, Molly. As I was going to say, I had a dog once. That mother, George's, is going to die of old age before he gets it into the discussion. Excuse me while I see who's at the door. Oh, hi, Latrivia. Come on in. Thank you, McGee. Glad you dropped in, Latrivia. The conversation around here was going to the dogs. Hey, everybody, here's Mayor Latrivia. Hello, I don't believe you know Mr. Spelvin, Your Honor. Mr. Spelvin, this is Mayor Latrivia. Yeah, I had a dog What? Oh, excuse me. I'm glad to meet you, Your Honor. How do you do? Are you a resident of our fair city, Mr. Spelvin? No, he don't vote here, Latrivia, so you can let go of his hand now. Uh, Mr. Spelvin represents the governor, Mr. Mayor. Oh, he does? Well, 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 well. I see where Mr. Spelvin and I can spend a profitable few minutes together. Uh, uh, we can have, have a, a cup of coffee, Mr. Mayor? Uh, thank you, and an egg sandwich. <laughs> I, uh, I just stopped in to tell you, McGee, that a complaint has reached my ears. I had the same thing last summer, Latrivia. Started in my neck and reached my ears in two days. The doctor says it was just a temper- Mr. McGee, please. I was about to say that I have received a complaint from the street commissioner that you have been remiss in the matter of snow removal from your front sidewalk. Oh, well, thanks for warning me, Latrivia. It's a funny thing, too. I, I really enjoy shoveling snow. You do? You do? I surely do. I'd rather hear the frosty clang of a snow shovel on a sidewalk than the finest symphony music in the world. To feel the red blood coursing through my veins as I swing that shovel to and fro. That marvelous glow that comes from exercising in the cold winter air. The sharp tang of the wind on my cheeks as my muscles respond to the healthy rhythm. And what an appetite I get. Sleep like a baby. Oh, I love the feeling of a snow. Hold it, McGee. Where are you going, Mr. Mayor? I'm going to shovel your walk off for you. I haven't felt like that in years. There's the snow shovel. Snow shovel's right in here, Latrivia. Oh. Where, McGee? Right here in the hall Straighten out that closet one of these days. The Kingsmen sing Gale and Cello. A Gale and Cello, a Caballero, can always find someone to pet. A Senorita, a Sweet Tapita, her other love will soon forget. If he's insistent and she's not distant, the Senorita will confess. Gale and Carol, a caballero. He'd only ask and he'll say yes. 
invited on his wedding day. Ask him if he loves her and you'll hear him say, Cicito, amo, la señorita hermosita, estrellita. without being hit in the face with a wet bathing suit. Well, I'll join you guys here. What's planned? Uh, we're playing Thinky Dink. What on earth is Thinky Dink? Well, look, it's my turn. I'll show you. All right. Uh, I'm thinking of a contented insect in an oil robe. I knew, I knew. Uh, a snug bug in a chug rug. Oh. <laughs> now, now, your turn, Mr. Selvin. All right. Now, uh, what's a wide-awake quintet in a juke joint? Oh, that's easy. A live five and a jive dive. <laughs> oh, this game is a cinch. Let me try it. Oh, do, Mr. McGee. Go ahead. Okay. I'm thinking of a tired Indian in a borrowed teepee. Give up. A spent gent in a lent tent. <laughs> oh, hey, you didn't give us time to guess, Fibber. Oh, you wouldn't have got it anyway. Go ahead, Molly. It's your turn. All right. I'm thinking of a hand-painted spark plug dancing with a red-haired kangaroo on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> Good heavens, I can't think what that would be. Neither can I, so I'll go out and make some sandwiches. <laughs> I have fun. <laughs> oh, dear, go see who that is, McGee. It may mean extra food and more coffee. Okay, excuse me, folks. Oh, oh surely. I don't find out pretty soon what the hell. <laughs> Hello, Mr. McGee. My goodness, isn't it a terrible night out? Yeah. <laughs> Not that any night out is very terrible to me, though, because, oh, you have company. <laughs> oh, come on in anyway. Hey, folks, here's Wallace Wimple. Hello, Hello Mr. Wimple. Wimple. I don't think Mr. Wimple knows Mr. Selvin, McGee. Mr. Selvin, Mr. Wimple. Uh, good evening, Mr. Wimple. <laughs> oh, it's nothing of the kind, Mr. Selvin. <laughs> 
It's a horrible evening. I'd never have buzzed out of the house if I hadn't run out of cigarettes. Oh, you don't have to go clear to the cigar store, Wimp. I'll give you a couple of packages. What do you smoke? Uh, two beds. <laughs> I didn't know your wife would let you smoke, Mr. Wimple. Well, she doesn't really approve, Mrs. McGee. Not cigarettes, anyway. So she promised me a pipe last Christmas. A uh, briar, Wallace? No, Mr. Wilcox. Lead. <laughs> She promised she'd let me have it if she ever caught me smoking again. <laughs> you see, Sweetie Face, uh, Sweetie Face is my wife, Mr. Selvin. Oh, I see. Sweetie Face is simply obsessed with health fads. Oh. Why, sometimes for dinner, we just have a heaping plate of spinach apiece. Just spinach, Wimp? Just spinach. <laughs> I pretend I don't know she has a silly minion under hers. <laughs> and later I run out and get a nutty burger. What is it good to ever protest against such inhuman treatment, Mr. Wimple? Oh, of course I had, Mrs. Uppington. Why, just last Saturday I said to her, Sweetie Face, I said, I'd like to have a little more freedom. And she said, why, Wallace, dear, how can you say that? Why, you're as free as a bird. She did, really. Yes. And then she said, in fact, I bet you can fly. And she threw me out the window. <laughs> uh, your wife sounds like quite a character, Mr. Sweetie Face. Wimple Spellman. His wife's name is Sweetie Face. Oh, excuse me. Well, I wouldn't want anyone to misunderstand me. Sweetie Face is really a delightful person when you really get to know her. She says. <laughs> well, I must be running along, folks. It's been nice to see all of you. Really. Well, 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 you sure you can't stay a while and play some games, Mr. Wimple? Well, if I do it, I better hit him. <laughs> I'll get one anyway. I'll stay. Now then, now let's all play games again. Now who does the game? Hey, just a minute, folks. Just a minute. What's, What's the matter, matter McGee? You're welcome to stay all night and play all the games you want, but Mr. Spelvin come here tonight with a message from the governor. I don't want to wait any longer to hear what it is. Well, we'll go in the other room, Fibber, and let you talk. No, no, no. Now, we want you all to hear it, don't we, McGee? Huh? Uh, do we? Why, of course we do. Oh. I'm proud of it. Oh, well, I guess we do at that. All you people thought I was kind of unimportant around here, didn't you? Thought I'd never amount to anything. Well, there's going to be a few opinions changed around here tonight. Go ahead, Spelvin, old man. All right, Mr. McGee. Uh, do you realize that your tires wear out twice as fast at 45 miles per hour as they do at 30? Why, certainly we know all of that, but what is uh, that... Driving habits are hard to control. So what's the best answer? An automatic control, therefore... Hey, what's all this got to do with giving Fibber a state job? Yes, why does the governor need our car? Uh, that's what I've been getting at. Huh? It isn't so much that the governor needs your car as it is that your car needs a governor. <laughs> Hey, what is this, bud? Who do you represent? Well, you never let me quite explain that, Mr. McGee. I represent the Governor and Carburetor Corporation of New Jersey. Oh, and I... oh, 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 oh. 
The Old Time Radio Hour will be back next Sunday, at 4 o'clock. We hope you can join us, here on Sid Valley Radio.